0: able to build this really healthy, balanced, centered paradigm around conflict to begin with that I stopped being conflict avoidant because the more I avoided it, the more he felt he thrived in conflict. It just was this imbalance between the two. And I think we see this so often in relationships where opposites attract that we're both trying to reach solutions and we're doing it in the opposite way.
1: Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. My name is Talia Joy, and today I am sitting down with Janessa Finley Ford. She is an empowerment coach who helps people to master the art of being human and helping us to turn our trials into triumphs. So in this episode, we are talking about conscious conflict, and it is so good. I had so many ahas and just moments that clicked about how to resolve conflict in a conscious way, especially with partners, what happens when it's kind of like, our wounds are interacting or we start to shut down or get explosive and just how to manage this in a better way. You're going to get so many tidbits out of this. You're also going to be incredibly inspired by Janessa's story as she vulnerably shares everything she has been going through in the last couple years and how it has really helped her to have more conscious conflict and resolve things in a different way with her partner. So I cannot wait for you to dive in. Without further ado, let's welcome Janessa onto the show. Oh, code on manifestation, amplify your intuition, and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Janessa. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm so excited you're here. How are you?
0: I am great. If it was a couple days ago, probably would have had a different answer for you. (laughs) Me (laughs) too. (laughs) Yeah. Like real life. Let's talk real life. But no, I'm great today and I'm really grateful to be here. So Um, I'm looking forward to diving in.
1: Yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is, we haven't really talked about this on the show, Um, you know, conscious conflict and everything we're going to get into today. Um, which I'm really, really excited to hear so much about your business and why you're so passionate to do what you do. Um, this is juicy. I can feel it. I can feel it. So can you just start by sharing a little bit about yourself? Um, maybe even your upbringing, where you are, kind of what led you to this, this place in your business?
0: Yeah, for sure. So off the top, my uh, name's Janessa Finley-Ford. I run a Fiercely Radiant Soul. I'm an empowerment coach and I help people convert their barriers to breakthroughs, their obstacles to outcomes, our setbacks to successes, because this is what life is all about, especially living consciously. And I am certified in energy psychology, mindset alignment, and functional medicine coaching. If anybody wants to know the specific tools in my toolkit, uh, I was raised on a farm in northeast Nebraska, Like really small rural community, very traditional upbringing. I attended a one-room schoolhouse for two years before it closed, and then I went to town school to also public education, but I'll be honest, the one-room schoolhouse did not feel like public education because it was so hands-on with only having seven kids total there, and it was really family-oriented. So when I went to town school, as I call it, it was a very different experience in meeting bullies and things that didn't exist in this other paradigm. Mm -hmm. So I was little sporty spice. I loved everything sports related. I played softball my freshman year in college. I had two surgeries in a short amount of time. I was suffering from an eating disorder. And after my freshman year, I chose to give up my scholarships and then I transferred to a state school um, that was a little more affordable to get my criminal justice and psych degree. And from there, I went on to work in the prison. I was the first female team lead on the emergency response team in our state Uh, while I was there at a super young age, like way more responsibility for someone my age and what should probably be given to them, but also... Very realistic of uh, who wants to work at a prison? It's a lot of younger people out of college getting started in their career. And then I went on to work probation with high-risk felony drug offenders. I was the drug court coordinator and ran the drug court program um, in seven counties in our state, uh, in that district. And then I worked for the Department of Homeland Security for... (laughs) Almost a decade, really short of a decade. And along the way, I started my own personal healing journey and had the ability to work full time and start a business and coach on the side until it became very apparent that there was a fork in the road with my life, (laughs) a really large fork, (laughs) a fork the size of maybe the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) And I chose... I chose me, I chose my passion, I chose what I felt my purpose was, and it was really scary for a lot of reasons, which I'll get into briefly, Um, but yeah, I went all in on my business and on coaching and haven't looked back. So we're going to talk about conscious conflict today, and one of the things you asked me about when we were chatting before we started was, you know, why does it light you up? And isn't it always pain that creates our purpose and our
1: passions in life? You said it, right? Obstacles into opportunities, that whole beautiful monologue, it came from somewhere, (laughs) right? Because you've experienced it, right?
0: (laughs) I did, yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned eating disorder. I also was divorced at a very young age. I felt like I had lived my obstacles in life already. But I was very surprised when another ginormous hurdle showed up literally at my house um, in February of 2022. And there was an FBI agent undercover outside my house taking pictures of my house. And I immediately, I, like, so many things in life are divine. The fact that I was where I was in my house to see them, to just the knowingness of knowing I march outside. I don't get shoes, a coat, a hat. It's February in Nebraska. It's cold. It's winter. Like, this is unheard of. But anyway, I went and talked to them, and I knew something was amiss. Like, this person was not who they said they were. And come to find out, it's an FBI agent investigating my fiancé at the time for um, threats made through an Instagram account that was not his. And the story is so incredibly long and there are so many rabbit holes that I don't want to take up this whole podcast talking about that situation because it's a really long story. Although if you're intrigued and you're listening, uh, you can jump over to my website, my blog and read. I've published the whole story in depth um, because it's scary and it can happen to anyone. So along the way, when this started, The situation, this legal situation began, I was biased being in the system and believing that under no certain circumstances, we, me included, we, me being the criminal justice system, would ever get it wrong. And I was completely oblivious to the actual statistic that 20% of those incarcerated in prison are there innocently. And that's based upon... DNA evidence, exonerations, and not plea agreements factored in. So there was a lot of conflict in my relationship, to say the least, when all of this started. Uh, I was not listening to my partner, to what he actually was saying and claiming, and um, I wasn't looking at necessarily the evidence either. I was looking at this ginormous problem, what I judged to be A problem, staring me right in the face. And I would never marry a felon uh, if this had happened, you know, probably even a year previous. And I hadn't done all of the inner work I had done leading up to this point. I'm not sure I would have continued to lean into the inner work to really discern my truth and discern the situation and discern my path forward. But there was quite a lot of conflict and trauma. Um, It was very traumatic to have the FBI show up at the house unannounced. It was very traumatic for him to be charged with a crime uh, initially facing five years in prison. It was very traumatic to go through two national news campaigns about his story. Um, It was very traumatic to deal with all of his finances being shut down for a non-financial crime. It's very unheard of. It's very new. Um, So being shut off financially was pretty traumatic, there was a lot of trauma for both of us to find our way individually, but also collectively as a couple, if we were going to move forward together and discern what is the best path forward for both of us. Mm -hmm. And so I gained a lot of wisdom (laughs) through that process where we eventually moved forward. He was sentenced to prison. Um, He took a plea agreement with super short timelines, really leveraged by not having any time to think about things or seek out a whole lot of legal advice. And the belief with entering into the plea agreement would be that he would get probation. He was a law abiding citizen until this occurred, Um, actually would have qualified for diversion, but they determined that they would not even consider it. Um, So anyway, we thought we would move forward with our life and probation would be a part of that, but it was not. And so he was sentenced to prison and then it was after that time of the sentencing when we did decide to wed. And the day that we got married, I was never, ever so certain of anything in my life, regardless of how much on the surface (laughs) Logically, this looks like a horrible decision. You're marrying a felon. There's financial just chaos. You're divorced. You're going to newly wedded for 18 months separated by an incarceration states apart. Like, he, it's a 13-hour round trip if I were to go see him. It's not just easy to go visit, um, you know, limited communication with phone calls That's a hot mess. That's what that is. And I said, sign me up. And I was so certain and centered and confident in myself in that decision in a way I've never experienced in my life prior to that. And I can really contribute a lot of that to the connection that we cultivated through all of the conflict we traversed. Because if we could get through that together, we'll figure out anything else in life that comes our way.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for sharing, first of all, and for letting us all into your world. Um, I will link the article, everything you're talking about, for the full story below if anyone wants to listen. Um, or, or read, read it. Um, It was very interesting when you were saying about how, when it first happened, you weren't, you said, I didn't really like listen to him and the story that he was telling and his take on it. And, you know, a, a lot of us aren't dealing with maybe incarceration, but it in, in this conflict that we're talking about, it's so easy to do that and to have this this idea. um, I did a self-development program called Landmark. I don't know if you've heard of it, but they talk about the already always listening, which almost just means like when somebody's talking, you already have a listening of them. So everything they're saying, you're kind of going, well, yeah, but whatever was going on within you, the fear, the worry, the, you know, whatever else was conjuring that up. So I would almost love to talk about that a little bit, how, you know, I could imagine the beginning of consciously dealing with things and conflict has to be listening is that I mean maybe there is something more foundational but it feels like that's almost the bare minimum yet that would be that's so easy for us to all do like yeah whatever you're just saying that because of this and you're not really listening so I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that a little bit
0: well I feel like my experience is a little bit different It, it would have been very physical very tangible a couple years ago But where I'm at in my spiritual connection and my spiritual discernment, I leaned really heavy into discerning what was reality, not based upon uh, my husband. His name is Travis, not based upon Travis's words. And so it was a bit of a it's a bit of a journey to get there, though, if I'm being honest, because in the beginning, I just would ask him, what did you do? Like, it's impossible It's impossible for them to just show up if you didn't do anything. What did you do? And I would listen to what he was saying. And then I would do. I think I want to attribute it to having investigated people or having worked with felons. Mm -hmm. And I would do that thing where I look for every hole Mm -hmm. in the story. And then I would. My probing questions would be around, but what about this? But what about that? But there's, you know, this loophole or this seam isn't completely sewn up. Um, and so I was never completely open-minded until the game changer was I, because we were not married, they could subpoena me as a witness, and they did that. I actually have called the FBI agent a couple days after that person was here because I had questions that I couldn't get answers to at work about my security clearance Then, what is the process with your investigation? What does that mean for my employment? And then of course, they wanted to ask me a whole bunch of questions about him, which made me a witness. So dumb move on my part for getting involved <laughs> that would again pit us against each other And uh, at that point, I really went into, like, my integrity officer mode of if I'm involved in any case, I don't care if it's someone that's living in my household or not. I'm going to know as much of it as I can, as much as I can about this case. And it was when I started looking into the evidence I could get my hands on, which I certainly didn't see everything, but I saw what the prosecutor had sent to the defense attorney I saw my husband's phone. I I mean, I saw quite a bit of things. And the more I saw, the more questions I had. And the more that I could not believe the conclusions that they had made on this case. Because there were five devices connected to this Instagram account, and only one of them was my significant other. Who has the other four? Mm -hmm. And the reputation of that account holder the the instagram account person i I mean it just that's when i really started listening and that's when i really stepped into much more of a supportive significant other and conscious like okay uh from the beginning i did consciously hold the knowingness that i'm not in this situation by chance so What do I have to learn from this? Because I never want to learn another situation or have Mm -hmm. another situation come up anywhere similar to this if I miss the lesson in this. So Mm -hmm. let's make sure we take the learning, the lesson, the growth, the evolution that this is presenting to me. Let's Mm -hmm. not miss a single nugget. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because if I have to go, if I'm choosing to go through this, if this is presenting itself in my world, I want to come out the other side with the wisdom of an 80-year-old woman so (laughs) let's collect the wisdom along the way and i did hold that knowingness from the beginning but it took the inner work of removing the biases and the limiting beliefs that i held about the system that i was working in and um that i I believed it to be something other than actually how it does work because Mm -hmm. i was just on one end i was on You know, probation, prison, that's all on the end. That's after people have been sentenced. Mm -hmm. So I had, while I had experience in the criminal justice system, I wasn't having the experience on the front end of the Mm -hmm. investigative process and the prosecuting process and plea agreement process, any of that. Mm -hmm. And so then as we moved into um, a state of more conscious, connection or conscious conflict, if you will, there were a couple things that I considered. And first of all, I needed to build a belief system that was po- positive around conflict. Mm-hmm. So if we look at conflict as being negative, that it's clashing, that it's long lasting and gets dragged out, that's exactly what we're going to make it to be. And so I started working my mindset and the energetics around conflict means opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I can embrace it because my personality, which is the other thing that I took into consideration, his personality thrives in conflict. Like conflict brings solution. Let's just face the situation head on. And my personality, I've had to do a lot of inner work to get to where I didn't feel like I was internally dying in conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, conflict was, it didn't used to be comfortable, but I don't think that personally with the work I do, I do a lot of work around the Enneagram um, personality structure. Mm -hmm. So that's the angle I address it. And our personalities are not permanent. And so I was able to build this really healthy, balanced, centered paradigm around conflict to begin with that I stopped being conflict avoidance because the Mm -hmm. more I avoided it, The more he felt he thrived in conflict, it just was this imbalance between the two. And I think we see this so often in relationships where opposites attract
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that we're both trying to reach solutions and we're doing it in the opposite way. And Mm -hmm. so we're annoying, triggering, activating, whichever word you'd like to use Mm -hmm. each other in -hmm. ways that weren't supportive to our relationship unit as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so it really started with accepting the fact that when we're in these conscious relationships and we're living, taking the lessons in a conscious way, we're all one. What do we have to learn from this, etc.? You're gonna get triggered, you're gonna get activated. There are things to learn. That is the point. Mm-hmm. So start collecting the learnings and have a foundation built where you know that every minute of every day isn't going to be harmony. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that relationships are meant to be that. I also don't think they're meant to be knock down drag out fights and damaging one another either. But when two people are around each other long enough, there are going to be things that come up that show you what you need to heal. That's mm-hmm. just how relationships work whether it's with an intimate partner or a really close friend or a sibling
1: or a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. For a child. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I always say grow through what you go through and how that's really the point. And that's exactly what you're saying is like really extracting those lessons, those opportunities, like the trigger is the blessing. And I know that, you know, that's what you're saying. The trigger is like the the crack, the opportunity to see what inside you is um, either needing to be healed or uncomfortable. So I want to kind of like back up a little bit and just kind of defining conscious conflict or you're saying like once we kind of entered this conflict or problem consciously it kind of started to change and even the way you were listening to him started to change so for everybody listening that's in relationship we all are maybe it's a significant other um, family people around us how do we like consciously enter conflict or just the relationship in general what does that mean to you too
0: well for me i think it we put a lot of words around it, right? Like I separation, ego, depending upon what you believe in or who you listen to any of those words apply. But in the simplest forms, I think that a conscious relationship moves from me centered to we centered. Mm. And the biggest thing mm. that shifted for us was not his survival it's so much more impactful to him it's his life it's his job that he lost it's his livelihood it's everything or me it's you know potentially my career as a ripple effect it's super traumatic it's my home you know like instead of separating each of us and being I don't want to say we were in a competition, but I see that with couples that I do work with that, well, something's more severe to me than you, or it affects me more than you. So mm. it's more important to me than you. Like, mm. And you get away from the the me and me and instead approach it as we, that's mm. when things really started shifting. And so this is happening to us. We're both hurting This is really painful. Neither one of us have a whole lot to give, but what do you need? I might not be the person to provide it, but I'll help you. Mm -hmm. I'll help you find how we can have your need met.
1: Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. Like going from me to we, and I, you know, being so self-aware, which sometimes I say this and joke with my clients too it's like cripplingly self-aware where it just almost feels like this depthy hole of self-awareness, which is great. But, uh, but sometimes I notice when I'm triggered and say it's with someone close to me, like a friend or my husband or whatever, and it's nothing they in physical reality did wrong, but there was something that really, you know, the abandonment wound or the, this, or the something. And I notice, and I'll hear myself go like, you're, you're making this about you, but I'm not berating myself. I'm witnessing you took something that was actually kind of more about someone else. And it's like, this is how, but it made me feel this way. And it's valid. I don't want to take away validity from being hurt. Like you said, what happened to him was what also happened to you. You're you're allowed to have your impact, especially in your situation. It's You guys are a we. Um, But sometimes I just notice my ego makes it about me. And I've been even lately noticing Triggers and letting them move through me. And so often I go like, yeah, you definitely made that about you in awareness. So it's really interesting to think about. It's not me, it's we, especially when it's a partner or a child or a, you know, somebody that's really deeply close to you. Um, that That's really powerful in itself. That's really beautiful. So it's kind of like the conscious part is the like, we are in this together and this is, like you said, consciously making sure, even though you were suffering that you're trying to help him to have his needs met as well. Is that what you mean by like the conscious part of going into something like that?
0: Yeah. And really it comes down to, honestly, If I don't know if you're familiar with the laws, the universal laws or laws mm. of nature, but mm-hmm. the first law is the law of divine oneness mm-hmm. that we are all one. So what's happening to him is happening to me. And what's happening to me is happening to him. And mm-hmm. what's happening to you is happening to me. And you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so that oneness versus ego, which wants to make us separate from and all of the I, 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 me, 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 mm. it's like in the laws of nature that we are the truth of our reality is everything opposite that our ego tells us. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that consciousness is embracing that awareness that I am not my ego. I am not everything that voice inside of my head tells me I am. And it actually speaks a lot of mistruths. And I actually have the ability to mold my mindset, to change my thought patterns, to interrupt what we get stuck in, to create the reality that I desire.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And the only way that you can create the reality you desire is first of all, to know what you desire, which they say only 1% of people do. So if that's you, I applaud you. I have Mm -hmm. done so much work to have any clue what I desire. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, to also be conscious or aware what's going on in your mind or your feelings that you're feeling that are contrary to that, which you desire. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: this is conscious living. It's seeing purpose in everything. Mm-hmm. It's seeing meaning in everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big part as well of the conscious conflict, turning that into connection is looking for the meaning rather than placing blame.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's a really good one. And I love that you say, it creates connection. Cause I definitely find that, um, I've been with my husband now about 12 years. And I find that like my pattern before was just kind of like, ah, I could go if it doesn't work out. I'm fiercely independent. My mom was married a few times. I kind of like, I could just move on. No big deal. I've also been married before. And he's the first person in my life that I'm like, this is forever. And I can feel that. And so then I want to stay present when we have to normally discuss things that, you know, sometimes it's heated, sometimes it's not, it's normal relationships and I always would bolt (laughs) because that's, I, I can just leave, I can go. And I find myself like, stay, stay present, listen to him, you know, this stuff. But then once we do, no matter how gnarly the disagreement or how hard it was to see each other's, you know, we make it through. And then I feel so much closer to him. Like I'll be out at the grocery store and I feel like me and him are, are one, even though I'm physically not with him. Whereas when we're not kind of getting through it, which I think is also what you're saying. It's like, we don't have that closeness or whatever it is. Once you get through it, I definitely find that I'm way more rock solid in that closeness. So why do you think that is like, why do you think it turns it into connection um, to get through it in a conscious way?
0: Well, first of all, (laughs) If you don't get through it in a conscious way it just erodes right like mm-hmm. there's always opposing forces i love i love i love the the laws of the universe and so there are really two options you're going to separate or you're going to unify in love if we're living from a place of love everything about love is unity unification mm-hmm. and so this is just using the energies around us to our advantage to create what we want, so if we're extending love to someone, even if we disagree, but we're doing it through our heart center rather than being in our mind and listening to how right I am about this and how wrong they are, but we're Mm. showing up in love and I see your pain and I know you're hurting and I know this is hard for you and it's hard for me too, but we're coming through with love, love's gonna naturally unify It's just how it works. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But you have to work through the process of being a human because it's not about bypassing your emotions. Mm -hmm. It's not about telling yourself and convincing yourself of a story of what you want. It's going through the process of being human. (laughs) I love to say that I help people master the art of being human because we're not singular faceted we're multifaceted so it's all about working through the spiritual and the emotional and the mental aspects that mind body and soul connection Mm -hmm. and when we honor ourselves in that so that we don't have resentments Mm -hmm. and we're not carrying around anger that we're just tucking away under the rug and under the surface then we allow love through and love will, like I've said, love will just naturally unify. It is the result.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. So how do you feel, um, you know, I have a lot of clients that are married and have maybe been married for a bit um, and find those like ruts in say relationship, like say a romantic relationship where you have your history, right? Because some people have been together since they were 18 or they have a decade under their belt and you have a certain way that you communicate or not, fight or not, whatever it is, right? One person bolts, one person gets upset, like whatever it is. And you have those established ways. So, you know, how do we kind of start to maybe get our partner a little bit on board or start to just bring in incrementally more conscious ways of dealing with things? Are there any sort of tidbits you have around that when it's like we need to shift our communication here?
0: Yeah. Do you... Enneagram or have a personality structure? I know I mentioned the Enneagram and you nodded earlier, so I know you're familiar with it in some way, but do you have a personality structure that you rely upon for
1: your own? Um, I like human design a lot and astrology, but um, human design I love. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, so I speak from and through the lens of the Enneagram, but it's not Mm -hmm. the only thing out there. And Mm -hmm. so this is one of my big tips, but please take that for whatever it translates into your, what lights you up. I have found for me, astrology is really clumsy and difficult to learn. I'm sure some people would say the same thing about the Enneagram. You know, the things that are for us are easy, like it lights Mm -hmm. us up. And so Mm -hmm. um, to dive into your question, I think understanding the personality is really potent and it's a really easy way of coming into a deeper harmony and honor the other person for who they were created to be. Human design, same thing. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer for us before we Mm -hmm. knew our Enneagram because we have so many opposing traits. Mm -hmm. I love a list and I'm a to-do person and I'm a doer. And until my list is done, oh, good luck sitting down and relaxing. Not my specialty. (sighs) Yeah. Um, My husband, he wants all of the flexibility in the world. He does not want an itinerary or a schedule or a to do list. He wants to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And so if you can just from that one aspect of being so opposite, imagine how many times we triggered each other Mm -hmm. before we had the understanding that I wasn't doing it on purpose and he wasn't doing it on purpose. He was just being who he was Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And then we can start showing up for what does the middle of those two opposing um, perspective, that's not the word that I want, but I'm drawing a blank. It's almost like your
1: traits or, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like two different approaches of doing life and they're so opposing. So what would it look like? To meet in the middle, or maybe one day we don't meet in the middle on my side and the next day we don't meet in the middle on your side, but what Um. does that look like to make it work for both of us? So we're both feeling that we can fully express who we actually are. Mm. And then with the energetics and the energy psychology, I do a lot of upgrading within the personality so that you aren't so rigid in your default programming. So that it's easier for me to be flexible and go with the flow and have this more intuitive lifestyle where every day I'm waking up and checking in and what is it today where before I would have this big long list and I'm just doing things through force until they're done. Mm-hmm. And that's much more representative of how he lives his life, not quite to the same space, um, but much more in harmony with one another Um, So for sure, learning personality, because the biggest thing I see people do is take things that their partner or again, it doesn't have to be partner. It can be child, parent, whatever that is for you in your specific relationship, taking it personally. Mm -hmm. Like it means something about us because they're doing something that they know we don't like Mm -hmm. instead of, well, he knows I don't like that, but it's his true authentic form to mm. be a free spirit
1: mm. mm-hmm. and I am
0: teaching him and putting him in a box when I ask him to step into my honey do list and make it happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that so much. And I love just like for everyone listening to just really hear that whatever floats your boat for human design, astrology, Enneagram, like whatever these life path number, like whatever it is, Myers-Briggs, everyone used to do the Myers-Briggs, but, um, get to know your partner on that new level and looking at it. I also, when you were talking, I, I was thinking about how I also hear people say like, Oh, my husband's such a Taurus, so stubborn, almost like just the bad parts, instead of looking at it, like, we all have strengths and weaknesses, and maybe if, say, stubborn or whatever is part of a trait in some way, we're also looking at it as focused, as committed, as you know, you know, needing a little bit, uh, needing a different angle when we're communicating. Because if he, she, they feel defensive they're going to put their feet in and then they're going to be really quote-unquote stubborn instead of holding it against them looking at it like there are there's just different ways of receiving information we know this with children and learning you know humans learning some people learn better you know reading or writing or visual it's like the same thing we all respond different in life and so Looking at it from this is how they are, not this is what's wrong with them. Oh, you're so this. Oh, you're so that. And, you know, working together. I really love that because when someone gives me the space, to be stubborn (laughs) and they see it as passionate I appreciate it so much because you know we all have these ways of doing things and so instead of looking at it like a bad thing coming together and really understanding your partner and that's something I haven't given a lot of focus to the male female brain and like I'm in a male female relationship and he is in some ways so much like a guy a dude when we're talking about things there'll be this and and the more I learned about it I was like oh that's interesting like the male brain often wants to fix or tell me what to do, you know, and the female brains often like, well, I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to listen. And, you know, you'll know what to do. And they're going like, I don't know what to do. Tell me. And this of course, isn't every male and female and all that. But sometimes even that I I have so much compassion. I'm like, okay. That's why he kind of defaults into that. So what I need to do is actually ask myself, what do I need him to do and try to articulate that and explain it and then maybe back it up with the why, because I want to explain that. So I, I just hear what you're saying. It's like, no matter what the angle is, it's like recognizing that they are a different person with a different processing way of processing information, just like kids are all different, humans are all different and not looking at it as a bad thing, like meeting in the middle. I love that. Like, what would it look like to meet in the middle?
0: Of course. And then knowing them well enough, I I feel like you spoke around this, but we're talking about this as well. So I just really want to highlight it because I feel like it's too good to gloss over, but using that information that you know about your partner in a powerful way, Mm -hmm. speak to them power to power. So, you know, they're stubborn. So for me, for instance, I want something done on my to-do list. If my partner was stubborn, I'd plant the seed about, hey, I see how great you are when you make up your mind to achieve something and that that's the way it's going to be. You nail it. So, babe, tell me, when are you going to decide for this little tasky task to get done? You know, like be yeah. playful, have fun with it, and use yeah. it to your advantage. For like, you know, the sexy it is when you advantage, do the dishes, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I hear that, and that's. That's really cool. It's so funny. My mother-in-law, hopefully she's not listening or maybe she is. I'm going to out her plan. But with my father-in-law, she's like, he has to think it's his idea. So she will plant an idea of like a family trip or something. Six months in advance, she's planting tiny little things till he comes around and says like, oh, it's my idea. And she always goes, yeah, yeah, that was six months in the making. But It's actually kind of a cool thing because she's not judging him in this, but she's learned this is how you don't just spring something on dad. He's got to have that time. And I kind of, you know, they've made it through 50 ish years of marriage. So I look at that like, okay, there's something there. Um, But yeah, like understanding your partner, not looking to pick them apart or just look at the ways that the things that butt up against you, but just understanding them, not just how they're different than you, but really understanding them as a human Um, yeah, that's just powerful because we get into these relationships and it's so easy to think like, well, you should know what to do, or you should want to do the things I want to do, or you should look at cleaning as important as I look at cleaning or whatever it, you know, it is. And maybe that's somewhere we're going wrong. Um, sometimes in relationships, what are some of those key things that you often see? That's like the opposite of the conscious way to move through things. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear that.
0: Yeah. Well, our brains create a lot of gaps, right? And so if we just let our brain run on autopilot, it tends to get us in a lot of trouble because it likes to look at lack Mm -hmm. by default. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, first of all, understanding, understanding your brain, understanding the things that they don't teach us in school and school books, it's really beneficial as a human. So, um, the Gap in the Gain is an amazing book. I'll just throw that out there if someone's feeling intrigued to know more about that. Uh, once you understand how your brain automatically defaults, it's going to be a lot easier to show up and hold inquiry with yourself of, oh, I have this thought. Is it really true? Instead of having the thought and then it sparks the feeling and then you have the emotion and then you're sitting in the emotion and you're upset or uncomfortable or annoyed or irritated and we all know how that spiral goes from there right we've
1: all well there. I've never experienced that but go on for everyone else <laughs> just kidding right. I experienced it yesterday um yeah for sure that's what our brain does it's so and then is it true because with if we don't ask that or it's like of course it's true and we just move on in mm-hmm. feeling like it's true without actually stopping like the gatekeeper of like Is it actually true? Anyway, go on. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Another thing I see often with people is falling into the rut that our way is the best way. Mm -hmm. And so we know our way is the best way for us. But are we open to the fact that maybe our partner's way is the best way for them? Because they're not us. Mm -hmm. And also, it's really easy to see the solution for other people before they see it for themselves. And kind of what you're talking about with your father-in-law, uh, it needs to be their idea. A well, part of that's also human nature to mm-hmm. a certain extent. And so mm-hmm. when we show up consciously, we're holding space for people to walk the winding, weaving path of self-discovery mm-hmm. versus pushing what we already see on them and saying, this is the best way. This is what you need to do. This, you should, mm-hmm. like, shouldn't have-to, ought-to's, have-to's on people. And giving them space
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the exploration, for the journey, for mm-hmm. the adventure. <laughs> yeah. Asking permission is huge. You know, could I offer a solution? Mm-hmm. Having that consent before we are just like, you need to da 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 You mm-hmm. should try yada 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 yada.
1: It's like we don't really... Take a moment to realize until we do become more aware that exactly like you're saying, their best way isn't necessarily, or your best way isn't necessarily theirs. So this is a, a huge domestic. Um, dispute that I'm going to talk about a private life. Not really. But my husband with the dishes, so funny. We talked about this forever ago. He likes to leave the dishes when he's with the kids, like basically all day until he does them all in one go and either like washing them all in one go or dishwasher, whatever, but they will pile up. And to me, I don't like them to pile up because all day I feel like the kitchen's crazy. So in the beginning, I'd be like, why don't you just do the dish like little bits all day? Why aren't you just and he's like, I don't know. Um, But he's like, that's I like to do it all at once. So that's totally his way which I know this is such a non-heavy or emotional example, but he gets his dishes done. It's the way he likes to do it. If I were to do it that way, I would feel anxious all day. Whereas he in his brain goes, no, later I'm just spending half an hour cleaning up the kitchen. I don't mind that. Whereas I go, I don't want to spend half an hour later. I'd rather, and totally are both valid. Of course, do both get the damn dishes done. Of course. So it's almost like, even though it's such a trivial example, my way isn't his way. If he had to do that all day, he feels like he's doing dishes all day and he doesn't want to do that. Both are 100% real and valid. So when we take it into heavier or more dense or whatever examples, it's kind of just remembering that like not everybody likes the same kind of food. Not everybody likes to do things a certain way or learn things a certain way or whatever. And both are equally as valid. Is that kind of what you're saying? Um,
0: yeah in that. Yeah. I think that your example is hitting the nail on the head for so many people. Like you call it trivial. It's not. How many listeners out there have fought over the dishes? Who's cleaning? Maybe for our relationship, it was the shower. Who's cleaning the shower? Like mm-hmm. they seem trivial, but it's underneath exactly what we're talking about. We're not allowing the other person to be themselves. And we're confining them in some way or not hearing their preference or not honoring them. Mm-hmm. And so it is these surface level little trivial things that lead to bigger, bigger, bigger things instead mm-hmm. of just going beneath the surface and honoring the individual. And I say that because the dish is getting done is a hot commodity in my household too i am done at 8 p.m if not even if i can be done at 7 p.m my heart my soul we are happy we want to just yeah sit decompress for the day do our reflections and be Mm -hmm. and my partner is not so content going to bed with dishes in the sink for me if it's after 8 p.m and there's dishes in the sink I'll do them first thing in the morning. Great. Mm. And it makes them twitch. Mm -hmm. And so exactly what you're saying, like Mm -hmm. his way isn't my way. My way isn't his way. These things cause really big issues for people. Mm. And so maybe if you're one of the listeners out there and you're fighting over who's cleaning what or who's responsible for the kids or whatever, are you honoring your partner for who they are, how they're made? Are you being honored? How can you meet in the middle? Mm. And not sacrifice. This is another thing that I would love to pluck from every paradigm of relationship that there isn't sacrifice. If we approach it with an and both mindset and look for a solution for the we and not the me, Mm. everybody's winning. There's a win-win. So honey, can you go to bed tonight with a dish in the sink that you will not have to do in the morning? I promise you. You just mm-hmm. go on with your day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can um, I be at 8 PM and not have to get up and do those dishes?
1: And it's interesting because in that circumstance, if You guys didn't take a minute to ask each other. It might be like, well, she just always leaves dishes and you're like, I'm exhausted. You expect me to do like I'm allowed. But if you go just a little bit deeper and even go like, why do you, why are you, why do you just put it down? Even though there's dishes here and you're like, you know, on the couch with your tea starting to decompress or journal or whatever, why, why do you do that? And if you say like, cause at that time I'm done and I totally don't mind doing it in the morning, it doesn't stress me out at all. I'd rather do it. I'd powerfully choose to do it in the morning. Then the other person can go, Oh, (laughs) that actually makes perfect sense. Instead of it being this narrative that the other person may make up about you. And this is, of course, it could be either one at each other. They start making up. Like I could start making up and way back in the day, I wondered like, is he just trying to skate out of doing the dishes because he knows that I'm going to come and do them. We split up our week with kids and work and blah, blah, blah. But when it's it's his day in the house, he gets the dishes done. He just does it in a different order than I would. And if I actually ask him and he goes, I don't want to be doing them all day. This Is what I like to do. And I choose that. I go, oh, like you said, like you don't even have to worry about it. That's just the way they want to do it. Okay. So I love that because there are so many domestic little, like, disputes or like, um, issues that are about the dishes that are about the way that you did this and that. And, you know, I like it like that. And I just love a main takeaway I'm really getting is like, it's not just you and him or them it's we. And when there's that solution for we, I love that it's not compromise. And, you know, I see that sometimes where my husband will say like, you're my priority. Like if you're not happy, you're my number one priority. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's really sweet to look at it like we, and then I go, oh, let's work together, you know? So it is, it's just such a unifying energy (laughs) to take that time to go like they're in distress or there's something not working for them. How can I extend that understanding and ask them what would it look like to compromise or what would it look like not compromise to meet in the middle, you know? Um, yeah, it's really, really powerful.
0: Yeah. The, um, oh, I'm going to blink. When you were talking, there was another, oh, the priorities. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we're focused on the wrong priority. Mm-hmm. And so is the priority the dishes or is the priority going to bed happy at night? Because if mm-hmm. I am working, doing anything after 8 p.m., I feel as though I am abandoning myself. That's mm-hmm. a really important boundary because I have overworked myself. For way too much of my life, way, way, way too much. And so for me, that's an uncompromising boundary to be true to me. Mm -hmm. And so then it switches from is the priority the dishes? And honey, if I don't do the dishes after 8 p.m., are you self abandoning your boundary or is it Mm -hmm. just annoying to you? Mm -hmm. And can we go to bed happy if I don't do the dishes until the morning? And you know, that priority shifts from the dishes to the contentment, the satisfaction, the happiness in the relationship. And then the dish seems like a little grain of sand and not the mountain.
1: Yeah. I so feel that it's like before it's like the dishes and then it becomes, Oh, our happiness, our mental health, communication, understanding it turns into something totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love it too, because when I first asked him, why he does that, he actually said, because the days I'm with my kids, my priorities are my kids. I don't want to be doing dishes all day. I want to be playing with them or do you know what I mean? And like even talking about priorities, I'm like, oh, he does it differently than me because he looks at it as a priority thing. And this is what's important to him. It's even less about getting mad that you didn't do it the way I did it. Because you're like, oh, shit, he's actually just prioritizing the children. You know, like sometimes it might be surprising if you ask them, why do you do it that way? They might have a really good answer that is, of course, valid to them, that we can have that understanding then and go, oh, that actually makes perfect sense. Not the way I do it, but I totally see where you're coming from and that's okay. Um, Oh, I love this. There's so much here. So what else as we're wrapping up, I would just love to hear anything that's coming up for you. Anything that you feel um, is unsaid in regards to what we've been talking about and, and really coming at, you know, conflict, communication, relationships in a more conscious way. Um, Yeah. I'd love to hear if there's anything else you want to say. Yeah.
0: So there's two things that are on my mind and they both have the commonality of communication And so, the one thing I wanted to answer to your earlier question about what do you see a lot of couples running into with not necessarily showing up in a conscious way with conflict? And that is by being a hard person to have hard conversations about. Be an easy person to have hard conversations with, drop the defensiveness, Mm. drop the judgment. Drop the reaction and, you know, whatever's being triggered doesn't mean that you have to express it outwardly in, I mean, do, do your own work, process what you need to process, be honest. I'm not saying to hide things either, but be an easy person to have a hard conversation with. It's going to go so far in your relationship. It's going to be the gift that forever keeps on giving. And then the other thing that uh, is also communication related is working through like the feeling thinker paradox as I like to call it, because we are the thinkers or the feelers. And I know you referenced this earlier as far as uh, male brain, female brain. Within the Enneagram, it maps out who thinks, like by default, they process everything through their brain, who processes things through their heart or their feelings. But if someone is electric in their fields, they can't move to a place of solution or rational thought. Mm-hmm. And for those who are thinkers, thinkers don't necessarily believe that emotions have a lot to offer us. And emotions have a lot of information to offer us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know in my relationship, I'm the feeler, he's the thinker. And he too would move to, you know, being solution focused or trying to rationalize what I feel or reframe, reframe the thought to try to make the feeling go away. And feelings don't go away without some doing, without some processing, but there wouldn't necessarily be the space to allow me to feel. And for a feeler to not have recognition of their feels, Anything else is going to be invalidating. So while Travis was very well-intentioned of, hey, let's find a solution and this is going to make you feel better, all I heard was, I shouldn't feel the way I feel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is such a common pattern in thinkers and feelers. Mm -hmm. And on the other end, if you're a feeler and you're trying to tell a thinker how they might feel in a situation when they're just trying to move to solution, You're going to frustrate the Mm bejeevers out of them. Mm -hmm. And so there is a communication process that can be used where each person gets to say what they think and what they feel and and have that repeated back to them. And you can really just simplify that down by affirming, Mm -hmm. you know, I bet that's really hard for you. I see that you're upset. Mm. What do you need? What do you want? How can I help? And that is the other thing that I heard you say time and time and time again in this recording was asking questions. It is so powerful to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And so you've referenced different questions to ask along the way. And the really big takeaway is we're programmed to like want to swoop in and make it better and make them feel better. But oftentimes asking, holding inquiry is going to move them along in that process so much further than being the swoop in, here's the solution, Mm -hmm. here's the answer, here's my ideas. Mm -hmm. And so really navigating the thinking and the feeling paradigm, always asking questions and inquiry and having consent when you're offering thoughts, solutions Mm -hmm. versus just dumping it on them. Mm -hmm. Because even if it's a great idea, if they don't have the space for it in that moment, it's not going to be a great idea. Mm. And then both people are invalidated. And then what do you do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One question that I've learned along the path, and I do this when I have my big girl pants on, it's a tough one, but it often helps so much tension or, you know, whatever is to ask, especially if you've done something that has, you know, hurt somebody else or rubbed them the wrong way, whatever, whether it's a friend or, you know, whatever, um, to ask like, what was that like for you? I don't know if that's a question that you would advise, but to actually, when we're trying to have a resolution to show them and to say like, what was that like for you when I did that? It just like makes me shudder. Cause it's such a like brave, like you gotta be ready for what they're going to say. And and it, it reminded me of that when you said, be an easy person to yeah. have hard, hard conversations with and to say like, what was that like for you when I, when you felt like I wasn't listening and they go like, I just felt like, and often. that can release a lot of the pressure because there's things they want to say that they don't want to say. And when you just Mm -hmm. remain easy, it's like, what was that like for you? And then mm, just like stay open because they might tell you, but it's good because if someone asks you that, what was that experience like for you? And you're like, oh my God, it was so hard. It just feels like you feel heard. Um, So I don't know if that's a question that you ever advise for people or if you think that's a good idea, but sometimes I have had really tremendous like softening of the energy. I even did that with my ex-husband who at the time was very mad at me. And it was part of like reconciling to come together for our daughter. It was like, what was that like for you when I left? <laughs> and what he said, I remember, but I just sat there and I was like, mm-hmm. I totally hear you. I totally hear you. And that was tough. Um, but what do you think of that question or just in general? I think it's really powerful. I think it's great.
0: Uh, I think it would, I mean, anytime that we're asked for our input, we're feeling seen and heard and valued and at least a seeking of being understood. Mm-hmm. Whether there's understanding there or not, there's at least a desire mm-hmm. being communicated and It's incredibly powerful. I also love the approach of asking, what can I do? So when you're not in the middle of turbulence or upset, having that conversation of when you are emotional, what do you need? When you are upset, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was a hug. And it is not intuitive for my husband to just stand up and give me a hug if I'm emotional. Like, I don't care what the emotions are, if they're like raging off the scale, 10 plus or at a two, I just want a hug. That's all. Like, you don't even really have to listen to me, Ben. Love it if you do, but more than anything, embrace me, hold me. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And for him, it's quite the opposite. He wants full attention. I will tend to be like, okay, I'm going to talk to you. And because I was working two jobs, you know, like I go, I fell into this rut where I would multitask, which I don't recommend multitasking for your brain in the first place, but I would do the dishes and talk to him. Mm-hmm. I would get something to eat and talk to him. And for him, he values, will you please stop and look at me, give me eye contact and listen. Mm-hmm. And the the tension that we would have. Like, I can't tell you how many times things would turn into arguments that there is no path to argument because he was responding to the lack of attention he was receiving. Mm-hmm. And I was responding to the lack of validation I was feeling. I see this mm-hmm. in its own pattern in couples all the time. Mm-hmm. And so just figuring out what is one simple response that each of you need when you're in a place of upset Mm -hmm. that the other person can easily do nearly 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. absolutely can put down what I'm doing and look at you and give
1: you eye contact. Mm -hmm.
0: If we are together and not on the phone, he can absolutely give
1: me a hug. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's really powerful. I also think sometimes like if you want more closeness, you, you, You know, sometimes there can be emotional obstacles in the way, but if you're wanting more closeness, be the one to go up and give them a hug. Or if you're wanting to feel more heard, take time to ask them how they, how something affected them or how they're doing, which isn't always, maybe always what your partner needs. Cause as you're saying, sometimes we just need opposite things, but that be the energy, be the change. And sometimes that's really hard. It's like, I want to have more fun and adventure. It's like, then go plan a date for you guys. Like, but I'm waiting for him to do it or for them to do it. It's So sometimes too, it's like just getting outside of your own Passionate slash stubbornness. I'm maybe talking straight to myself and doing those things that you want to experience in the relationship too. You want to feel more heard, then spend a little bit more time maybe hearing them. Um, It can be tough, but often then they vent and then could maybe be like, well, how do you feel about that? Because it opens it up. We're not defensive. We're kind of showing, hey, we can actually listen and hold space for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: the very last thing with communication is responding to your partner's bids. That that is how they will seek connecting with you. Hmm. And it may be asking a question. It may just be making a statement, but they're wanting to engage. And there's different levels of engagement you can respond with. You know, you can just be like, "Mm-hmm," and you keep moving. You can say, oh yeah, you're so right. Or something that's just affirming and keep on moving. You can engage with a question. And we all bid for our partner's intention in different ways. Hmm. And so when you start recognizing the bids, then show up for them
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: and make space for them, engage with them. Mm -hmm. And that's going to create a lot of connection
1: as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. That feels really, like, gentle and and loving, too, to notice the ways that they're reaching out because sometimes we might feel, you know, oh, they never do this, but you're not noticing those little things in their love language, in their way of expressing it, in their personality, that they actually are just wanting a little more closeness or they're trying to, you know, make an effort of something or wanting attention in some way. Um, Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love this. There's so much here. Um, Thank you so much for sharing everything that we've talked about. About. This is so powerful. Um, where are the best places for people to reach you? As I said, I'll put the link below for the blog, but also where else can we find you? What kind of things do you offer? How do people work with you? All of that fun stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. My website is the best space for all of the things, www.fiercelyradiantsoul.com. Um, There are links to all of the replays of the radio show, the internet radio show that I host every Wednesday. Uh, It's called Eyes Wide Open. We talk about all the things seen and unseen and the multifaceted part of being human. Mm. Um, So that's fun. Lots Mm -hmm. of similar topics to this and Mm -hmm. Talia should be there in that space very soon. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I have courses. I have do-it-yourself courses that you can walk through on various different things from how to interpret your own blood labs in a functional medicine manner to muscle testing, all sorts of things. Um, I do group coaching with another practitioner. It's such a cool, cool offering. She is a shamanic healer an earth medicine practitioner and a crystal healer. And so we bring all six of our modalities together and it's just a powerhouse um, healing sessions. Within that group coaching experience. And then I offer also one on one coaching. So tons nice. of options and ways to connect.
1: Beautiful. And do you have any social media? Do you hang out on Instagram or Facebook or anything?
0: I have an account on Instagram. I am less active there than Facebook, um, but either place you can DM me and you'll get a hold of me. Um, also on Facebook is the group Stronger Together. And that group is also ran by myself and then my group coaching partner.
1: Nice, beautiful. Okay, I will definitely put all those links below. Thank you so much for everything we talked about. I cannot wait. We might have to do a part two or we'll see what we get into on your show. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited for this. Thank you again, Janessa. This has just been incredible.
0: Thank you so much,
1: Talia. I loved it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on the awakening her podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and my guest. And if you did, we would love to hear from you. Come find us on Instagram. All the links are below in the show notes. Take a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, sharing your takeaways or your enthusiasm for the show. Tag us both over on Instagram. And if you do that, I will send you a free gift. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will see you in the next episode.